Hello, welcome Hi. back to the weirdest thing. I'm Scotty Milder. Oh, am I going now? I'm Amelia Ampuero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always Amelia get confused. Ampuero. I get confused because I never know if you're going to be like author and horror, like, you know, if you're going to do yeah, that thing. And and I, I'm never I've, very confused. I've fudged this up already from the beginning. <laughs> I really think the best part of this podcast is how smooth our openings are. Yeah. <laughs> this is stellar. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is an exciting episode because this is our first time we actually have a guest yeah. on the podcast. But this is actually a voice you guys hear every week. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm so excited about this. Yeah, this we're here with Kane, who is our composer and performer of our theme song. So, yep. yes, hi, I've been here all along. Yeah. <laughs> sort of the unofficial third member of the podcast. Yep, yep. <laughs> we always, and that's true. We always have a nice smooth entrance with Kane's song, and then a nice smooth outro. It's just that I always end up messing things up because I get I get nervous about starting the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean we're like 21 episodes in and it's yeah, and I'm still same, like how do we do this? <laughs> it's the same dumpster fire every week. <laughs> Absolutely. I love the dumpster fire though. I'm here for the dumpster fire. Yay. I, I, I hope uh, most people are cuz it's yeah. probably not going to stop. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh well. Okay, well, so the reason we have Kane on today is because if you guys remember our brains episode from a few weeks ago, we had a short discussion about the difference between I want to be sure how I say that. I guess the difference some scientists have maybe identified between men's brains and women's brains. Right. Um, and so we kind of, without knowing what we were talking about, kind of dove into a discussion. So let me play that clip for you guys real quick so you guys can remember what we were talking about. We have Kane introduce himself beyond <laughs> just oh, yeah. <laughs> beyond the voice that you hear. <laughs> I'm a mysterious disembodied voice you hear every week. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can introduce myself. Hey everybody, this is Scotty breaking in after the fact real quick. I just want to let you know that Kane decided to go ahead and re-record a separate intro along with a disclaimer for uh, the discussion. So that's the audio I'm going to drop in right now. Hey everybody, my name is Kane Disler and uh, I'm an actor and theater maker in Albuquerque. And I know Scotty and Amelia through my work with Duke City Repertory Theater. And I just wanted to give a little disclaimer before I say anything else here. Today we're discussing something called transmedicalism, so content warning for discussions of transphobia. And uh, I should mention that I am a white, transmasculine person, and I'm only voicing my opinions here. So while being trans informs my thoughts about this, I'm not an expert in anything but my own experience. And I don't speak for the entire trans community. Uh, we all have different experiences and perspectives, so it's important to listen to what other trans folks have to add to this conversation. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm Kane Disler. I'm an artist, an actor, theater maker in Albuquerque, and I. This is pertinent information to this. I'm also a transmasculine person, so just your 
friendly neighborhood trans popping in to say hi. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Okay. Scotty, so we, do you always yeah. just have something awful as your desktop? Yes. Do you change it frequently? <laughs> oh, God. No. Yeah. I mean, you're not even seeing it. the, because I have two desktops up. You're not even seeing the other one, which is just like a big monster woman's face. Okay. So. <laughs> I did see that one when you were playing clips, I think in last week's episode. And I did not find the image itself horrifying. What I did find horrifying was the utter chaos that was all of your files yeah, on actually, that desktop. I actually just cleaned all that stuff up today. Oh, thank God. That's <laughs> so, been stressing me out, man. It's been stressing oh, me out too. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to go ahead and play this clip. So like okay. I said, it's about two and a half minutes long. It's, it's from our brains episode. So here we go. So studies suggest that women, sorry to say guys, that women are better at recognizing facial effects, expressing expression processing and emotions in general, where men tend to be better at recognizing specific behavior, uh, which includes like anger, aggression, hmm. threatening cues that I think what this means is a woman will be able to sit there and be like, Hey, this is like, I'm like, I'm getting a weird feeling about this, that like, or this person is upset or whatever. Whereas a guy is able to pick up on the cues of when somebody else is about to throw a punch. Ah, uh, yeah. I think that's what that means. Yeah. Women also did a bit better in reading of the mind tests and nonverbal emotional recognition. So it's a mm. little bit of like, yeah, like, like I can, I can tell what's going on. I can tell like what you're thinking or what you're feeling. Right. Men, men didn't do so good in that stuff. <laughs> um, interestingly, also fMRI studies have shown that women have larger gray matter volumes in posterior, inferior, frontal, and anterior, inferior parietal cortex areas, which are correlated to mirror neurons. Okay. So like we just have some more stuff going right. on in there. Yeah. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, sorry, fellas. Uh, women also tend to have a stronger link between emotional and cognitive empathy. I, okay, so everything that I'm reading about all this stuff is talking very much using a binary of men versus women. Mm -hmm. I would love to know if there's any research or studies into this stuff having to do with either trans or gender expansive folks mm -hmm. versus cis folks yeah and my, my guess would be there's probably like, just not a lot of research yet well and two it's one of those things where it's like there were definitely like trans people in these groups but right but they maybe they, weren't being classified right, or separated right or, yeah right and so yeah like i would love to know if a trans woman also displays these mm -hmm. things. I like, oh, I just would be, I would be fascinated to know. Yeah. Well, I mean, because uh, that may be part of like the gender expression, you know, yep. of a trans person. They may have the mirror neuron, um, what would the word be, expression that like a uh -huh. cis woman does. And that's part of, I, that would be, that would be fascinating to like yeah. have research on that. Yeah. I yeah. would love to know that. So any scientists out there, hop on it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am not a scientist, but <laughs> no. I have put entirely too much thought into this subject for a while. And honestly, it's just such a good question because I feel like for a really long time, especially in like a Western colonial society, mm -hmm. we're really hung up on trying to classify the difference between men and women in like- right 
every way possible. And of course, that has its roots in white supremacy. And, you know, like I said before, colonialism. And so it's just all of these ideals that put people on one end of a binary or another. And, you know, we're doing a pretty good job today of like educating people on how gender is fluid and gender is on a spectrum. But what people aren't really thinking about as much is how sex is very much the same way, like biological sex. Like, yeah, yeah how humans just aren't as sexually dimorphic as we've been led to believe. So I, you, I think oh. it was... Oh. <laughs> Go ahead, Scotty. I was just going to... We may have been about to ask the same question. I think it would maybe be helpful if we have some sort of understanding of... Because people use the terms gender and sex sort of in, interchangeably, yeah. which is, I think, part of where some of the, the problem comes in. Is there like a, an accepted definition that we know of each one? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So when we're talking about gender... We're talking about part of a person's identity and it's an expression, right? So right. we'll use the words men and women when we're talking about gender typically. And for sex, you know, people will say biological sex. That is more complex, but it's, right. you know, male versus female. And in reality, biological sex looks a whole lot more like uh, some big words. It's a bimodal distribution of hundreds of different characteristics. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, you think of the typical, like quote unquote, ideal male is like broad shouldered, like high levels of testosterone, penis, sperm, you know, the whole fucking nine yards. And, you know, women, we all know what we're talking about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna, not gonna break it down. But um, in, in reality, there are plenty of cis women who will, have broad shoulders or grow facial hair or have mm -hmm. high levels of testosterone. So it's important to remember them that when we're looking at biological sex, it's very much patterns and not rules. And that is kind of what the most recent study has shown about the brains of quote unquote males versus females. And I have the, the results of the study like pulled up here if I could just like read it real quick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, go yeah. for it. So in, in 2015, uh, it's like this is the best study that was published. It's uh, in a journal called Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. And so the study- Sounds very official. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the study was called Sex Beyond Genitalia, the Human Brain Mosaic. And so the conclusion was, our study demonstrates that although there are sex and gender differences in brain structure, brains do not fall into two classes, one typical of males and the other typical of females, nor mm. are they aligned along a male brain, female brain continuum. We should shift from thinking of brains as falling into two classes to appreciating the variability of the human brain mosaic. Human brains do not belong to one of two distinct categories, male brain or female brain. I mean, I think like just the word mosaic yeah. is like a helpful way to, because when you talk about the binary, you know, it's easy to think of like a line, right? right. There's one point on a line and another. When you're talking about a mosaic, it's kind of all over the place. Yeah. 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 I'm also going to interrupt here real quick, just to, again, give, give our listeners a, a little bit more backstory. So you played the clip from the episode yeah. and a 
few, like two weeks ago, Kane, I think I got, I, I got a, a very uh-huh. long text message <laughs> from, <laughs> Sorry. from Kane. And I'm not going to lie. Like when I opened it up and I saw that, like you were like, I was listening to the brains episode, like full disclosure, my brain, I was like, I fucked something up and I said something wrong. And if I had, that would have been okay. And I would have appreciated Kane being like, Hey man, like you stepped in it a little bit there and maybe gave Mm -hmm. out some bad information. But instead Kane, you were like, you know, you sort of inadvertently tumbled into this massive debate that's happening online in places like Twitter and YouTube about this very topic, which is, you know, like, does a brain have a of have a gender or a sex or is it just brain matter yeah yes absolutely and it, it's funny because it you really did stumble into something yeah. big <laughs> this, uh, <laughs> this idea of um male brains and female brains leads into so like the typical trans narrative that we've heard ad nauseum at this point is i was born in the wrong body and yeah. there's this idea of i have So in my case, like if I were to believe this about myself, I'd say, oh, well, in the womb, my brain developed as a guy's brain and then my body just fucked me over and now I'm a lady. Oh, no. What a mistake. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Thanks, nature. Yeah. Thanks, (laughs) nature, you asshole. (laughs) Yep. So this narrative of born in the wrong body has kind of been pushed because it's really easy for cis people to understand because it's viewing trans identities through the lens of the patriarchy. It says, okay, so it is normal to either be a man or a woman. And that correlates with the sex that we've assigned you at birth. And in reality, like there's, there's nothing wrong with the brains of trans people. Like it's not an, it's not anything that is the matter with you. It's just like your identity. And it just like happens to not match up with the sex you were assigned at birth. And so this idea of, it it leads into an ideology called transmedicalism. And transmedicalism is the idea that being transgender is a mental illness Mm -hmm. or a medical disorder that is treatable through hormones and surgery. So usually someone who identifies as a transmedicalist will assert that you need to have gender dysphoria to be trans. And for anybody who doesn't know what gender dysphoria is, that is the extreme feelings of distress that a trans person will feel in relation to their body and the gendered parts of their body, Mm -hmm. how they're being perceived by society. So it's like Mm -hmm. distress at this incongruence. Um, Right. Well, just to break in real quick, uh, like, you were a little, Amelia and I are a little older than you. Mm. And I will say like, my first a little a little <laughs> just a touch <laughs> older than you my first introduction to the entire idea of a trans identity came from like i very and i don't know Amelia, if you have similar memories but i very clearly remember watching shows like the geraldo rivera show back in the 90s mm. like late 80s early 90s where they would have trans people on and at the time they were using the term transsexual 
And it was very much this kind of like, I mean, you know, the Geraldo show, it was like Jerry Springer before Jerry Springer, you know, it was very like sensationalistic talk show. They would have people on and it would always be like, you know, and like you said, like the, what would you say? Like the title of the episode would be like born, born in, the, in the, wrong the wrong body. body you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So that was very, like, I, that was very much the understanding that I had as no, like dude, a same. child. Yeah, that's all I knew too. Like it's really recent that we've started shifting away from from viewing trans identities that way. So that was definitely my experience of trans people growing up too. Yeah. And I think too, for, you know, I'll, I'll speak for myself, but I think too, for me growing up, it was also something that gender expression was also, uh, it could not be untethered from orientation. Mm. Right. You know? Yeah. And so it, you know, when it started to, when, when we started to learn more about it and we started to, to be a little bit more open about it and, and seeing like, <laughs> the different combinations of all of the things that people can be and to see how that, you know, sort of blew open the topic as well. But it is, it's, 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 I think, again, us like Jack or us Gen Xers or like Xennials or Oregon Trail generation, whatever the hell you want to call Scotty and I, um, we're in this weird spot of... (laughs) (laughs) We're in this weird spot of being like, like having grown up with a very antiquated viewpoint about a lot of things, but also growing up during a time when those ideas were starting to be challenged and, and, and really like openly within society starting to be like, these are not people that are like, this isn't a perversion. This isn't a mental illness. This isn't, you know, a disorder. It's just, well, it's interesting. People are, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago that we were saying that gay people have a mental illness. So that's where all of this is eventually leading is going, okay, so are we pathologizing these identities Mm -hmm. now? And like, how does that how does that help us? And there are a small, uh, the the number is getting smaller too, but a small amount of trans people who really believe that the best way forward is to pathologize trans identities. And, and they, because they think we're going to be taken seriously that way. What so this that, would be the trans medicalists that, that you're talking. Sorry, we Uh, (laughs) Amelia, you go first. (laughs) Okay, thank you. What does that mean exactly to to pathologize? It's to like assign like to to assign it like this meaning of like to make it a medical thing, to make it like Mm -hmm. a biological medical like disease. Like pathologizing it is like calling it a mental illness when it's really just how a person is. Mm -hmm. Okay. 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 Thank you. Yeah. And Scotty, you were saying, yeah, what was I going to, oh, and so (laughs) um, when you're talking about this subsection of the trans community that is sort of leaning into this idea of pathologizing Mm -hmm. trans identity, this would be the trans medicalists, right? Yes. And usually we see these people are, or they're very binary trans people who oftentimes will self-identify as transsexuals. And I just want to make a quick thing about the word transsexuals. Mm -hmm. Never just call a trans person that while like some people are reclaiming it because it, the experience of being a transsexual describes their lived experience and Mm -hmm. we need to respect them 
being able to use that word, it, it's typically kind of antiquated. So I wouldn't just go throwing around the word transsexual <laughs> right. unless you know the person's cool with it. And it seems um, like the last 10, 15 years, maybe even more, is when just the, the public discourse sort of changed where that yeah. term transsexual kind of fell out of fashion and transgender became and then now we talk about non-binary right yeah, yeah. i remember and hearing non-binary for the first time and i was like what because yeah. it yeah because that was probably in my 30s the first time i heard right that. and my you know because my lived experience had always been there's male and there's female and you know there's stuff that happens that can you know kind of go from one point to, to the other but it had never occurred to me that there are people that are like I don't know. Like, I'm just kind of. Yeah. And you don't, don't know. know. <laughs> All of a sudden, you know, and then you're, right. you're in your early 20s and you don't know what to do. And you're like, oh, <laughs> man, who am I? It's yeah. a whole thing. I tell you. Uh, <laughs> can you are you will and like Scotty, you can cut this if if the answer is no. Um, are you willing to talk a little bit about your own journey with this personally, Kane, or do you yes. want to stay away from that? No, I can totally talk about uh I can totally talk about my experience. Like I identify as a non-binary trans man. And mm -hmm. yeah, I don't want to oh God, I'd rather freaking die than explain how that's possible right now. <laughs> it, it's just one of those things where like it just it just is what it is mm -hmm. and like trying to rationalize it further is like trying to describe why the sun sets it's it's fucking anyway so <laughs> <laughs> my experience of this whole community like has been very much through while i was questioning my gender i stumbled upon this debate within the trans community between uh, the trans medicalists and people who describe themselves as more aligning with trans depathalization, which we talked about before. Mm -hmm. And I ran into this online, usually on, on YouTube, like, oh God, am I going to get into the YouTube stuff? Oh, <laughs> Jesus, what a dumpster fire. I, I feel like I didn't adequately describe who these trans medicalists are before mm -hmm. so i think i i got cut off at saying like they usually identify as transsexuals right right right. oh yeah but i what i wanted to say about uh trans medicalists is usually they're coming from this place of the they're highly dysphoric and they have taken refuge in these ideas of trans medicalism because it's the only way and like the easiest way that they know to get respect from the cis people in their lives they're like mm. i don't like you can call me mentally ill you can call me crazy or delusional or whatever i agree with you i think that i have a disease and i'm working on it to fix myself but at least i'm self-aware about it so and, and like, the fixing yourself quote unquote that's the surgery and the hormone yeah, that's transitioning so i'm i'm a non-binary trans person who has chosen to transition so mm -hmm. I experienced gender dysphoria, which you don't need to experience to be trans, by the way. Um, mm -hmm. I want to come back to that. Yeah, yeah. Please do. Yeah. That's really important. Yeah. It's yeah. like, what? What do you mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So the word transgender is an umbrella term that encompasses a wide range of experiences. Every single person experiences being trans differently, just like every woman experiences her womanhood differently. You mm -hmm. know, like it's like it's all based on your perception of, of yourself in the world. And so the, the problem with transmedicalism is it 
it shrinks down the definition of trans to this very specific born in the wrong body. You must want to change yourself in these ways or else Mm. you're not actually trans. So there's a lot of, yeah, there's this thing, uh, this word they've made up to describe people who they think aren't actually trans and they call them trans trenders. And usually mm-hmm. they're describing gender non-conforming or non-binary trans people who who might not want to transition. Or, you know, let's say they're a transmasculine person, but they don't bind their chest or they, mm-hmm. they still wear dresses or makeup because they fucking want to. Right. <laughs> Like it's, it's like this policing of identity that goes on. That's just like incredibly harmful. And I just want to say, like, I understand that it's coming from a place of trauma in -hmm. them and a place of like pain. And it's really hard to watch because it's just all of this infighting in a community that is already just like gone through enough and really Mm. needs to like pull together. Mm. Right. So it's like, but they'll accuse these quote unquote trans trenders of making us look bad. And like even going so far as to say like, you're the reason transphobia exists. Like, but it's like, dude, a transphobe is going to transphobe. They don't care how long you've been dysphoric. They don't care. Right. It's not like, yeah. It's not like transphobia started the minute that non-binary people yeah. right. talk about and, their it, like, and non-binary identities are ancient. They've been right. around a lo- much longer than this uh, mythic than this idea of the quote unquote transsexual. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, Do you think that this is like <clears throat> just in my quest for understanding, do you think that this is a little bit like what trans medicalists and people who fall into that, that camp of, of thought and belief, do you think that that is along the lines of people like people from communities of color and all this stuff, basically like assimilating to wasps culture that there is, that there is a sense of like the closer I can get to like the, the understood quote unquote binary, the less in danger I am. Yeah. It's, it's a safety thing. It really is a Mm -hmm. safety thing. So it's like, Mm -hmm. that's why I'm trying to be understanding of, of these people because like, it's, it's definitely coming from that place of like, I just want to feel safe. And at the same time, I should add a lot of the time, these people are white and have access to hormones and surgery. So it's Mm -hmm. like a lot of the time they are privileged people and they pass. That's another thing is typically they pass very well as cisgender and passing to them is like very important. Like they really look down on trans people who aren't concerned with passing. Like for me, I'm I'm fucking five two, and there ain't a whole lot of me. Like, no one's walking around <laughs> thinking like I'm a cis dude. A lot of the time, I'm at peace with that. I'm not gonna go around like changing all my mannerisms to try and prove something to people, right? Right. But like for a trans medicalist, like it, it's probably just coming from a place of like they feel a lot of dysphoria when they don't pass. Like they just can't imagine not putting in every effort you possibly could to to pass as cis, right? Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, mean, that's something we've seen with, with like other marginalized communities. Like I was saying, you know, like people who fall under the category of white, but it would be very easy for them. And this has historically been like Irish people, Italian people, you know, light skinned black folks that there is this thing of like, the more I can appear to be part of quote unquote mainstream, the safer I am. Well, I will say anybody who's not fortunate enough to fit into that category is just like, good luck. I have have some experience with this being Jewish because like some of the most vicious things I've heard about Orthodox and Hasidic Jews come from reform assimilated Jews Mm -hmm. because they look at the Hasidic Jew with the, the side locks and, you know, all the stereotypes. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, you're, you're making it harder for the rest of us. Um, So I've, I've, I've definitely heard and read it just, just a, a lot of derision towards this more, I guess you would say marginalized side of the Jewish community from within other parts of the community. Right. And of course, none of that to say is that any, like, none of that is to say that any of these things are like the other thing, like every, every one of these things comes with its own, you know, fun bag of trauma. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, No, but it's really interesting because like it, it, it does come down to a safety thing and it comes down to a, like, it honestly is really sad because they think that they're protecting the community when in reality, they're just doing much more harm than good. Yeah. It, and it's it's turning into harassment and bullying and people are getting hurt and it, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's not good stuff. Well, when I yeah. was kind of doing a bit of a, a dive after we started talking about this and I started looking at some of the commentary online, Twitter, Reddit, places like that, I started noticing that some of the language that come, comes from this transmedicalist, I guess you'd say wing, of the transgender community mirrors the language you hear from the turf. Uh, yes, yes, one hundred. Which we should probably uh, define if anyone doesn't know. Ooh, trans, <laughs> yeah, trans exclusionary radical feminist. They'll disguise themselves as rad femmes, and more recently, they'll call themselves something called gender critical. But yeah, I've seen rad is not a slur for radical. rad fam, okay. I guess mm-hmm. means radical feminist. Yeah. 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 Well, because I know they don't like hearing turf because they say it's a slur, which to me is very ironic. But yeah. But you know, you hear what what's fascinating when you Why dive are into people all this, so weird? I don't know. <laughs> well, what's fascinating when you dive into all this is you know the the alliances that have formed between the I'm just gonna use the word because I don't care if they get mad, the turfs. Yeah, no, call them and, turfs. Yeah, and and like the religious right, you know, they formed alliances mm-hmm. to essentially try to continue to oppress trans people. And then when I was reading some of this trans medicalist language, I was like, do you guys realize that you sound like TERFs? They don't even hear it, dude. So we should say that a, a, a TERF is somebody who believes that there there is no gender, there's only biological sex, there's males mm-hmm. and females, and they tend to think that there's 
like this transgender craze that's like trans in all our kids like take it <laughs> right <laughs> which is always by the way transing is not a verb but it's really oh. funny to use it as well <laughs> I, I think it's therapeutic to use the word transing <laughs> but it's also a funny like it's always it's also a very funny thing to me that with so much of this is this fear of like they're coming for your children and it's yeah and it, it's always you know this is this is such a like a simplistic argument but it's like if that is the way that it goes then everybody is vulnerable to this Mm -hmm. so therefore you are you know fucking hater are vulnerable (laughs) to to (laughs) transing uh you know in the middle of the night uh you know just wake up one day yeah and it's you know it's been an interesting thing too scotty and i have talked about this a little bit i god the first time i heard i even heard the word turf I think was 2016 Mm, um and I was like what the fuck and if that when JK Rowling was really getting on her bullshit for the first time I don't know Uh, maybe that was when like it started to pop up I heard of it in a you know sort of a different yeah it was probably around the same time that I heard it yeah yeah but as somebody who identifies like as as a cis woman I take a lot of issue with TERFs, not because it's just like, oh, you're awful human beings, but also so much of it has to do with motherhood. I mean, to be completely honest, like so much yeah, of it has to do with like, you know, you can't have children, so you're not oh, a real woman and God. you can't do this and blah, blah, blah. And for me, as somebody who is 42 years old, and if there is any like window for me to have children, that is like quickly, quickly shutting <laughs> to have my, my gender, my woman my femininity, whatever called into question because I have chosen to not have children up to this point. Mm. I don't know where they get off. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. That's really messed up. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's not even taking into consideration. Like, like for me, it's a choice. That's not taking into consideration women who struggle with fertility, women who've had to have hysterectomies with like, you know, women who were menopausal women, postmenopausal women who were, you know, got sick and got thrown into early menopause because they had cancer and had to go through chemo. Like it is such a, a a disturbing thing Mm -hmm. to me to see how narrow the definitions of something like gender are. Well, that's um, why, like, I think it's I think it's interesting slash disturbing. Like I said, when you look at you know the language from the radical anti-gay, anti-trans right from TERFs and from mm-hmm. and I and I want to be careful because I've only recently dove into this whole world of trans medicalism. But like I said, just anecdotally, some of the language I saw there, you see this language get mirrored across these widely divergent ideologies. And I think it's because context gets flattened, nuance Mm. gets flattened. Yeah. For whatever reason, you're coming at it from a different direction, but we're still holding on to this idea of the binary, which is a very like conservative, old school, I guess. Yeah, colonial colonial way of looking at these things yeah and so you can be coming from the left from the right from wherever and you still kind of end up in the same place which is interesting right that's the frustrating thing is that when when it comes down to it they're just siding with the transphobes and they they don't even see it (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, no. And honestly, turf ideology is getting really, really popular recently. Like, the really? First, no, dude, I 
searched, I, I was looking for just different like books by transgender authors. I typed transgender into the search bar under books on Amazon. And the first fucking thing that comes up is a book called Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. And on the mm-hmm. front is a picture of a, a, like a drawing of a girl, like 1950s style with a big hole where her womb should be. So it's like this huge, like, fucking turf whatever like bullshit book basically saying like because of misogyny and and trauma and like uh and homophobia like uh young girls are being persuaded to become men and like it's like yeah and it gets it gets down to the like the bathroom bills and all that stuff which again you see the turfs teaming up with the religious right to exclude trans people from bathrooms yeah you know it's just this crazy unholy alliance between these different forces yeah look I'm going to be real. Unless somebody is trying to come into the fucking stall with me, I don't care who's in the bathroom. Oh my God. Like that's (laughs) like, I don't care. Like if I walked into, like if I was in a bathroom and Scotty walked in, unless, uh, you know, if Scotty was a stranger to me, unless Scotty (laughs) tried to follow me into the stall, like I might be like, Hmm. I might yeah. even be like, am I in the wrong place? But I wouldn't be like terrorist. Like I like. I mean, <laughs> let, we should stipulate that you know Scotty going into the same bathroom as you is like a big six foot four bearded dude with a death metal t shirt. So like, you know, it's, it's, that's a very specific experience, yeah. probably. <laughs> right, and again, that I mean, like, yes, part of that has to do with the fact that I know you and stuff. And again, I might right. be like, did I? Am I? Did I walk into the right? Yeah, but you know, as they're making up a problem that isn't even an actual problem, they're like, it's all based on these horrible transphobic tropes that have just been perpetuated in media. It's it's psycho, it's silence of the lambs, it's the man dressed as a woman infiltrating a woman's space, right? Mm -hmm. It's right, they're tricking us, they're trapping us. It's it's this rhetoric that's been used to harm trans people centuries and it's yeah it's and it always yeah. seems to boil down to protect the children yeah. because i think oh, that's the easiest yeah. like thing to like <laughs> win an argument over is like well everyone wants to protect okay. children so okay oh, I but that. i saw a tweet today that i was like you know like smashing the like button because right now a big <laughs> thing that's happening right now is the whole let kids play thing which is like oh you know, and talking about trans kids that, you know, want to compete in sports. And that's a really bad explanation of it, but you know, you can, you can look it up. Everybody, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you have Google, (laughs) but I saw a tweet that was like, I'm not going to be able to quote it exactly, but it was along the lines of like, you know, everybody's so worried about, you know, a boy playing on the girls team or vice versa. And nobody is talking about predatory coaches. Huh. Yeah. And that's yeah. legit. Like, that, like that's, I am, that's like a real problem. Actual <laughs> yeah, that is an actual problem. You know, and right. actual misogyny. Like, yeah. And not- like, you know, the like the thing is is that because whew, 
Because we do live in like a colonialist society. We do live in uh, like a white supremacist culture. We do live in a patriarchy and all of these things. There's all of this, there's all of these like boogeymen out there, right? But the thing is, is that the boogeymen are always a diversion to the actual boogeymen. So trans kids playing on whatever fucking team they identify with is not the actual problem in this specific case. The problem is these coaches that are abusing children left and right. And that's not hyperbole. Coaches, like, team doctors. Team doc. I mean, Damn. it's it's it like good yeah, God. The wrong goddamn thing. <laughs> yeah. When the when the whole story broke about that fucking monster, the the team doctor. For oh, the gymnasts. God, yeah. Yes. And it's it was like 300 victims. Yeah, I mean, I like, know. Like, what the fuck in, was anybody doing? Yeah, and it's it was like in the, the hundreds. Well, yeah, and yeah. and his employers had sheltered him, and yes, it was that um, Jerry Sandusky, the the coach. Yes, uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, I'm Pennsylvania. <laughs> no, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, no, but like you said, you know, like I saw a thing recently from uh, some state like senator or somebody in Idaho. Oh, great! Um, uh, is pushing through this like bill essentially to ban trans kids from teen mm-hmm. sports mm-hmm. in idaho and it was almost like like a little like afterthought at the end of the article where it's like there are no reported instances of any trans identifying children playing team sports in idaho so it's just like yeah it's just it, a it, preemptive attack. well it's okay. posturing it's just and posturing. i don't like i don't want to be look I've said a lot of shitty things. <laughs> this may be one of the shittier things that I've said. But I'm like, do you all care about this this much because you don't want to go to sexualize a child that's on your team and discover that you've gotten a kid who is trans? Like, do you yeah. get what I'm saying there? Oh, uh, you know, I hadn't thought of it that way. But wow, that's something. To think like, about. is that why you're so up oh, in arms God. about Honestly. it? Because you want to make sure that the, the again, I'm using like oh, heavy that air quotes that are, are real sad. But you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm like, are you so concerned about a, a mm. trans girl playing on your team because you don't want to get caught by surprise when you go to sexualize her? Well, no, I mean, they're bristling up this much because the existence of trans people is the biggest threat to the patriarchy because they're fucking wrong. And like, we break <laughs> their rules and it confuses them and makes them mad. And so they're doing everything in their power to try and delegitimize trans people. And they do that by pathologizing trans people and by saying that we're mentally ill and by putting all of these gates in front of trans medical care by saying that kids are just like getting hormones and surgery left and right, which, oh, that whole thing is just like the, the rhetoric around kids in transition is so misleading. All most young kids will get in terms of medical intervention until they're maybe like, of age to go through puberty is puberty blockers, which have no long lasting side effects or repercussions. Once you're off of them, your body just does its thing with puberty as scheduled. Yeah. You're just like, yeah, yeah. you're just delaying the biological process. And do you know how much I fucking wish if I had heard about puberty blockers when I was like going, Oh man, puberty is going to happen to me. And I can already tell I'm really not going to like this. Uh, Like mm -hmm. it would have saved me decades of mental illness. Uh, It would have like 
that's the real kicker is that the the real mental illness comes from living in a society that treats you like that 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 is so yeah. that ostracizes you that makes you feel othered and disgusting and you're always the joke and you're the freak and it's like it, that's where your mental health issues come from bud like people love to throw around the whole like we can't let trans I had oh my god I had this asshole try and argue with me once before I'd even realized I was trans I was just real interested in trans issues for no particular reason. Must be nothing. It's fine. Uh, I had this guy try and argue with me why trans people shouldn't be allowed in the military. And his mm. argument was, well, statistically, like 70% of trans people will attempt suicide. It's like more like 50%. It's still really fucking high. But um, mm -hmm. he's like, you really want to put that population around a bunch of weapons and in a stressful situation? Aren't we already doing that with people <gasps> who serve in the military and <laughs> yeah, end up I'm with like, PTSD? First, like yes, I'm like, first of all, there is already a mental health screening like when you're going into the military, I'm sure not a robust enough one, but it's not like they're just letting in people who are like depressed and suicidal, first of all. Second of all, it's not because they're trans, you're just like, they're automatically going to have mental illness and suicidal thoughts. Did you ever think maybe they want to kill themselves because you won't let them in the goddamn military where they yeah. have a purpose and they feel alive because that's what they wanted <laughs> to do with their life? Mm -hmm. Do you yeah. ever think that maybe they feel suicidal because you're being a dick? <laughs> right. It's it's the it's it's not the fact of being transgender. It's the trauma yeah. that comes around. Yeah. Because from, of society. From living mm -hmm. in a world that says we're not going to let a person who identifies the way you do into the military because we think you're ill. And and it's I'm like fine. I don't want to join your stupid club anyway. <laughs> it's it's such a it, that's such a weird. You're asking people to sign up to go murder people. Yeah, not great. And then you're like, we don't want any mentally ill people in here. And it's like, it's like, don't oh, you it, like? No offense, late, but, but yeah, like, I mean, isn't that part and parcel? Well, yeah, this like, is not you know, me. And let me yeah. be very clear: this is not me disrespecting anybody. Like, I yeah. like, you know, God bless the troops and all of that stuff. You know, and people join, especially from marginalized communities, because it's a way for them to get education and get out of debt yeah, and all of those things. It's an important thing for a lot of people, right? And it's like, let's. You know, if we're going to talk about mental illness in the military, like let's talk about the numbers of military, you know, returned service members mm. you know, committing acts of violence or committing suicide, you know, mm -hmm. experiencing post-traumatic stress disorder, experiencing, you know, brain injuries, mm -hmm. et cetera. Yeah. I mean, how little you know, attention that gets. Like yeah. to freak out about trans people in the military, like what I think, you know, going back to what Amelia was saying about, you know, do these people actually care? I think <laughs> if I'm to look at, like, where do the motivations come from, it, it is to distract from, let's talk about, like, these other very hard to solve issues. Yeah. Right. Right. Let's freak out about in the military. Is yeah. Yes. Yeah. Let's freak out oh. about trans people in the military because we don't want to talk about rape in the military. It's exactly right. what it is. And it is so 
heart-wrenching to have that focus drawn to, to the trans community, like away from these monsters, like making trans people out to be worse than these monsters who are just like allowed to run rampant in the military assaulting women. And like, it's, mm-hmm. oh. Well, assaulting it's, women and assaulting men. I mean, yes, it's, and I, I should, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just, I saw a thing, re- and I, I'm gonna totally bungle this, but I saw a thing recently where I think it's one of the members of the, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, maybe, or someone in the Biden administration who's like way up in the military has basically, you know, on uh, terror right now saying like this is something we've been ignoring for Mm. you know generations we're reaching epidemic levels of this being a problem within the military you know specifically talking about sexual assault and basically being like when are we going to actually talk about the changes the systemic changes the cultural changes etc that need to be made within the military to put a stop to this because Mm -hmm. we haven't done it for as long as we've had a military we haven't done it Right. And I mean, you know, like Scotty, you and I talk about this a lot in terms of, you know, people who kind of want to <laughs> like poo-poo on the the um, the frequency that we are now, the frequency and the openness that we are now talking about things like mental health and stuff. And, you know, they want to say, yeah. oh, like back in the day, people didn't. But the thing is, is that everybody was just, people were self-medicating. They were... Oh. They were ending their own lives. They were, you know, perpetuating the cycles of abuse and they were doing all these things. Like, I very much believe that like sunlight is the best disinfectant, right? Like we cannot solve a problem until we bring it out into the light and talk about it and discuss it openly and frankly. And it's, it's, you know, that is whether that is, you know, what is going on within the trans community. That's whether we're talking about systemic racism in this country, that's talking about police violence, you know, sexual assault in the military, whatever it is, like we cannot solve anything if we continue to be like, that's not the problem. That's not the problem. That's not the problem. This other thing is the problem. Well, and I I think on top of that, you have, and you know, this, this goes way beyond any one issue. Mm. Kane, you, you mentioned the gatekeepers. Mm. Um, I think (laughs) there's, uh, I don't know, a mode of, I don't want to use the word debate because that's giving too much value to it. Uh Um, but there's a mode of discourse, uh, yelling at people. Okay. On yeah. The <laughs> yeah that's, we were you were trying to be civilized. Scotty was like, no, people being shitty to one another. Yeah, there's a mode of being shitty to each other on the internet that really revolves around, you know, if people want to talk about the the nuances and complexities of any issue, if you don't come ready equipped with a solution, then it's like you should sit down and shut up. Mm. All that does is basically stifle any sort of useful discussion because a lot of these issues don't have ready easy some of them have easier solutions than we may think but a lot of issues when it comes to issues of identity you know these aren't things that are easy for an individual to figure out much less an entire society yes the biggest frustration to me is that whenever we start having these discussions about trans identities i get locked into this debate or this, this attempt to justify or rationally explain the existence of trans people, which I think we all need to just try and accept that there is not going to be a logical way to explain the existence of trans people because it's an issue of identity. To paraphrase the YouTuber ContraPoints, who does a really, she, she makes a really good point about this, 
she likens trying to justify why you're trans or how trans identities exist. She likens that to like, well, how do you know that you love the person that you love? You just love them. And mm-hmm. you could write a poem about it to describe it. You can try and explain the feeling. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you you just know. And so, like, the answer to the question, like, how do I know that I'm a man? How do I know that I'm a trans man? Well, because I am. Like, mm-hmm. that. that's it. And so we get locked into these never-ending debates of, like, we need to come up with a, a way to explain this to people so they'll believe us. And that is just, that's not what we need to focus on at, at the moment. Like that's not ever going to get us anywhere. Right. Well, and I think it might be like, <laughs> it's it's like, that's, that's such an interesting comparison, you know, in terms of like how you identify and, and, you know, the, how do you know that you love the person that you love? Mm-hmm. Because, and I think it's probably really hard for let's, let's pretend that everybody that we're talking right about right now, or that I'm about to talk about right now is operating in good faith. Right. But I imagine that it has to be extraordinarily puzzling for scientists because they're like, but this has to do with a biological, you know, right. vessel. And so there has to be a biological reason for it. Right. But it might just not be that simple. <laughs> right. And well, we should say that like science is interested in this and has concluded that it's just a hell of a lot more nuanced and complicated than right. we ever thought. And I, I think that's the most hopeful part is that the scientific and medical community is is on the side of trans depathalization. They're like, clearly the sex and gender are both bimodal distributions of characteristics that are just inherent to to a person and like trying to explain it and trying to shove it into this lens of the patriarchy and like binary sex and binary gender is just causing it's just oppressing people further well to go back to the clip from our brains episode amelia was talking about how they had done these studies on men's brains and women's brains Mm. but you also made the point that there were likely trans people in that Mm -hmm. study who are maybe not identified as trans what this means is that whatever data you get from any of that is suspect we don't know what the data means because we know that the women quote-unquote were women or that the men quote-unquote were men right and there's actually like another study that like the study that trans medicalists will cite most often when they're talking about like there are male brains and there are female brains and I know that I have a male brain like they'll cite this study from 1995 where they looked at this one very specific brain region called the BSTC region and it stands for something real long and complicated um, as, um, as we've established on this <laughs> podcast once we get into like science we're like yeah whatever you can your eyes yeah, are gonna look, glaze over just, if I read the fucking whole thing and just a, you know just a general disclaimer none of us are scientists yeah I don't know if you can tell but uh, <laughs> um, um but yeah, so they studied this this region and they basically set up a range within like cis men typically like their region will have this size, cis females this size. And then, of course, in the middle, you have a bunch of people with overlapping shit. And so mm-hmm. it's like ultimately you couldn't really tell. But they did then look at the brains of and only six trans women, mind you. So it's mm-hmm. a very small sample size. So you can't really get much from this. Yeah. But they then compared 
that to the brains of six deceased trans women whose BSTC regions were a lot closer in size to that of cis women. So it's like at a distance, this study seems to suggest like, oh, so trans people do have brains that correlate with their their gender identity. And there's Which was so many- our original question. Yeah. 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 And so there is, uh, there's a lot of elements to this where it's like, you know, all of these trans women had been on androgen blockers, testosterone blockers, mm-hmm. uh, and um, estrogen for years. So we, we don't know if- So like, that's, a, that's a chicken or the egg question. Yeah. So you don't know if it, is this something that was inherent in them, in their brains, like from birth, or is it a result of uh, body chemistry? And I think another really interesting thing with like the differences in like the sizes of brain regions is we know a lot more about neuroplasticity now and how like the actual Mm -hmm. structures of our brains can change based on environment and like just lived experience. So I would be really curious to, to know how the socialization of men versus women in society affects how our brains develop or affect something else you said in that clip, how women tend to be better at uh, at XYZ and men are better at, at mm-hmm. those other things. I forget what specifically <laughs> they were. I think it was like recognizing an emotion versus recognizing yes. an un- oncoming action. Like you yeah, said, and that makes recognizing sense. when someone's about to throw a punch. Yeah. And I honestly feel like that has a lot more to do with how we raise our boys and girls, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it, I feel like it has a lot more to do with what is encouraged for young boys to show mm-hmm. and for them to pick up on like what is necessary for their survival. Yeah. And I mean, even like one of the big things in terms of gender roles that's thrown around as is hunter gatherers, right? right? Like male-bodied people were going out and they were doing the hunting and, and the female-bodied people were staying and tending to the children. And but there's starting to be research that's coming out that's saying that's not true. They're like, we have yeah, we have no, no way of we have no way of actually knowing, or we do, and it is that everybody was doing everything. Well, Thing because making, these were burgeoning societies they're making assumptions based on the society we have now and looking back and it's sort of like i mean it goes back to what we keep coming back to on this podcast is you know confirmation bias right. you're, you're gonna see the evidence right. that you want to see i mean when, right. going back to that study you're talking about kane where they were looking at the brains of these six trans women exactly what you said that's an extremely small sample size yeah. So I don't know how you can extrapolate, like maybe it's interesting as a starting place for research, mm-hmm. but how you can extrapolate any sort of conclusion from any of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you totally can. But yeah. people have, and they've used it to fuel their transphobic rhetoric. It's really... Right. Um, well, and I mean, it's, it's, I think it was Kane and the thing that you sent us earlier this, this afternoon before we started recording, mm. um, you know, that so much of this comes down to like eugenics and white supremacy and like yeah. trying to figure out how to, how to prevent a quote unquote, like white extinction, right? Mm-hmm. Like everybody has been so worried about this, that it's like, Hey, you should be striving for these models, this, this perfect male model, this perfect female model with the intent of creating more perfect white 
babies. Mm. And that's why, you know, race comes into it. And it's like, ah, we can't be dealing with anybody who's of these different ethnic and racial groups. We can't be dealing with anybody who doesn't fall firmly in this binary, which is also, I'm just like, there are a lot of you, like there's a lot of white people. You don't need to be worrying about me being extinct. Like you guys (laughs) are fucking fine. (laughs) Even if we were to take the most, and this is me a little bit being a devil's advocate, but even if we were to take the most generous view of Mm -hmm. the motives of you know scientists you know maybe up into the last 20 years where things have started opening up you know where maybe it wasn't an explicit agenda but rather more just blind spots Mm -hmm. we're still looking at a situation where i think people and we're seeing the ramifications of this the norm quote unquote like the default norm is white males and then maybe like one step down from that white females mm-hmm. then everything else is classified danger as some, well as <laughs> divergent at the very least right. like we have yeah. the norm and then we have difference and so when we're talking about pathologizing these things it comes down to pathologizing difference you know i've read things even when we're talking about people on the autism spectrum you know there, there's a pushback against using the term neurodivergent which mm-hmm. i didn't realize because the question is divergent from what Right. Well, from what we or someone has decided is the quote norm, Mm -hmm. but he says that's the norm. When we're talking about divergences, you've got to talk about rather than here's the norm and here's everything that's different from the norm, but rather than here's one thing, here's another thing, and they are different from each other. Right. Well, and this goes back a little bit to what I think I mentioned this briefly in the Freaks episode when I was talking about Sarah Bartman. And I think it was during that episode. And I was saying, like, you know, there are there are things I think what happens a lot of times is that stuff gets and I think this happens in the scientific community and then it gets distilled down into everyday society um, in a very dangerous way is that we have like collectively decided that different means abnormal. Right. And I think the, the issue that I, or the, I'm sorry, the example that I'd given in that episode was green eyes are uncommon, Mm -hmm. like not a huge portion of the population relatively has green eyes. They're not abnormal. It's just uncommon. Mm. Um, There's nothing wrong with people who have green eyes or red hair or anything like that. It's just that you know, there's just maybe not so many of them. I think that's where, where stuff starts to get really dangerous is it's okay. Like it's okay. If everybody's fucking different, what, when it becomes an issue is when somebody wants to weaponize those differences, those things that are uncommon to be as a way to be like, this is why I am better than you. Right. Well, it's like, even to go back to, to the brains episode, to my story about having synesthesia. Mm Mm-hmm you know, that is technically a neurodivergency, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I wouldn't say anyone weaponized it against me because nobody, like no one knew what was going on. But what, when I look back on it now, it's like, well, whatever modes of teaching were the quote common modes of teaching didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. You know, specifically when it came to teaching math, because my brain, it's not abnormal, it's different. And if you had had a different way of teaching math to me, maybe I would have not struggled as much. Now, this mm-hmm. is not to like, you know, I'm certainly not equating my experience with a trans experience, well, no. but but it's just that but, like yeah. how we're locked into this quote unquote idea of normal. Right. And it just has this ripple effect across all sorts of 
Right. Parts and that of society. Right. And that someone somewhere along the way made the decision that there are these kind of abnormalities, quote unquote, that are acceptable to society and not a danger to society. And these other ones that are, and the, you know, and, and, and that's well, the I mean, way that it goes. And there's even that, nobody has any control. Over. Even that's a moving target. Cause they used to super burn people with green eyes for being witches. Right. Well, and that just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, I think the thing to remember in all this is that like, like, yay for research and yay for studies and yay for learning about things. And also understanding that this is coming from a school of thought that at one time, you know, thought the earth was flat at one time, yeah. thought that humors made you sick at one time, thought yeah. that, you know, a pregnancy was four months long because they didn't consider, they didn't, they didn't know that a woman was pregnant before they could feel a baby kick, right? you know, yeah. which is like a good few months into it. Like, <laughs> you know, like as long as things are evolving, cool. But a lot of this stuff that you're talking about, Kane, in, in regards to transmedicalism and stuff is just kind of based. Based on antiquated science. Yeah, exactly. Like not, like not even science. It's yeah. Really- yeah. We, we, you guys on the podcast couldn't see Amelia's air quotes <laughs> on science, there, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, but like yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the gatekeeping is real. It's it's getting a lot better than it had been. I, I would say even like three or four years ago. But mm-hmm. you know, just it, it's. This part is really sad to me because if you are someone who is questioning your gender, you understand what a confusing and vulnerable thing that is. Mm. And you need to give yourself room to play and to discover and to be wrong and to and for it to be okay for you to be wrong sometimes mm. about what you're feeling. And these people who are gatekeeping the trans community aren't making space for that. So the trans medicalists will will look at a gender non-conforming, non-binary trans person who is maybe using neo-pronouns like Zim and Zer or AM or something. Mm-hmm. And they'll roll their eyes and they'll like, they'll hate on whatever label they've decided to use for themselves. They'll body shame them. They'll tell them they're bad for the trans community. And then these people end up like closeting themselves and not exploring and like right. like the pain of being like in the closet and hating yourself so much that you have to repress like a very core part of your identity is so dangerous it really is it's like people could die from that and right. if, and you know people you know, there are instances where people have attempted suicide based on the bullying that they've received from some very specific online trans medicalists. Like, yeah, yeah, you were talking about that in, in your uh, message to us. Yeah, that yeah. is uh, like the one I'm thinking of specifically is this. Uh, he's a trans man. I think he's like maybe 20 or 21 now. His name is Calvin Guerra. And he, oh, God. The fuckery of this kid. He started making trans related content when he was maybe like 16 or 17 and like coming out, and like that stuff was like helpful. A lot of people, like I watched his transition videos when I was figuring mm-hmm. my shit out. Mm-hmm. And then he started posting videos where he would say things like, I used to be a non binary social justice warrior and I'm not anymore and I hate them. So, like, okay. <laughs> Well, this is this cool, is cool story, bro. I guess. Yeah. Like, and and he's like, 
so he started getting really into like this trans medicalist rhetoric where he's like in the womb my brain developed as one gender and my body is another and I have a lot of dysphoria and you need dysphoria to be trans and then he started making cringe compilations of like like he got really popular off of this one video called trans guy reacts to crazy trans trender and oh god he reacted for like 30 minutes to this video of this very sweet person their name is brennan at the time they identified as gender fluid now they identify as a non-binary trans man like me and uh he uses he him and they them pronouns so i'll switch those for brennan throughout this Mm -hmm. but so calvin made this video reacting to a video that Brennan made where he was describing his personal experience with gender dysphoria. And gender dysphoria is something that feels different for every person. You can Mm -hmm. be dysphoric about a lot of things, maybe just one thing. It could be your body. It could just be your name or your clothes. Mm. It's different for everybody. And so for Brennan, you know, they had a larger chest and they found it really hard to bind in a way that was satisfying for them. And Calvin spent like this whole video just shitting on Brennan's expression and misgendering them the entire time, gleefully misgendering them and like saying horrible things about their body. And it was just, it was really fucked up. This gets back to that, that weird Venn diagram that happens between the right wing, the TERFs and Mm -hmm. some of these medicalists where, you know, that, that trick of either dead naming people or misgendering people, like that's a right wing trick. Like that was invented by the religious right. So the fact that it's being adapted by people who are quote unquote within these communities mm-hmm. is bizarre to me. Yeah, yeah. It sucks to watch them like use that same rhetoric against their own community. And then the worst part is that then Calvin's young impressionable followers, this video got 2 million views. Mm-hmm. Like it's it, it like went and bullied Brennan off of his platform to the point where he had to closet himself in real life. Like this guy mm-hmm. developed an eating disorder, severe trauma, like mm-hmm. they only just came back to the internet. And anyone listening right now, go find Brennan Beckwith on YouTube and show them some love. They make some they made a three-part series covering everything that happened to them. Like please go support them and everything that they're doing because, you know, I remember when Calvin put out that video and it made me so sad because I I remember watching Brennan deplatform himself after that and just being like, God damn it, he he got what he wanted. Yeah. It's it's so messed up. Yeah, it's really sad to watch that, like, because then it had ripple effects throughout the trans community because anyone who identified with Brennan had to watch that video and read those comments and see what happened to Brennan and be like, the trans community is not safe for me. I'm not going to be welcomed by people who I thought I could trust. I thought that I was safe around these other trans people, but it turns out I'm not trans enough for them. Right. In some way. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this idea of, are you trans enough? Are, do you want hormones? Do you want surgery? Like, are you trying to pass like all of this bullshit? And you told me to circle back to the question of do you need dysphoria to be trans, which is a really good avenue to go down off of this, because the answer is no, you don't. Because gender dysphoria, I would be very curious to know how my experience of dysphoria might have been different if I grew up in a society that didn't gender my body. 
Mm -hmm. or where I was allowed to be who I was like regardless like if I wasn't assigned a female social role and if I wasn't told that my body as it was born was inherently gendered I wonder if the distress would have been as great and there is plenty of evidence now to suggest it probably would have been lessened significantly because we're seeing all of these young trans kids who don't experience dysphoria at nearly the same rates anymore because they're discovering that they're trans through something called gender euphoria, which is the flip side of gender dysphoria that I experience. Mm -hmm. Like every time I wear clothes that feel good to me, or I hear someone use my name or pronouns, or like, you know, there's a lot to be said for discovering your identity through the things that bring you joy and through just living as you are not trying to put anything into that or onto it. That's how you know you're trans. It's not about like being in X amount of pain or feeling like some, I I can absolutely relate to the feeling of maybe I was born in the wrong body or like the pain of dysphoria. And that is a very real experience for a lot of people, Mm -hmm. but not everybody is going to feel that way. And I hope that less and less people will feel the extreme it, dysphoria. Do you think this is changing because these younger trans people are coming up in a generation that is more accepting? So they're they're having less of these gender expectations piled onto them than like, you know, say people of me and Amelia's generation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're given this space to play. And before I say this, I want to say that non-binary identities aren't just like an exploration phase or anything. It's a very real identity that many people will carry their whole lives. And also a non-binary identity is a really nice space to be in when you're not quite sure yet. It can Mm -hmm. be really Mm -hmm. nice to have a lot of space to explore your gender without like putting a specific binary label on it. So mm-hmm. I think, yeah, all of this freedom we're seeing, uh, especially online and like TikTok is super queer right now. Yeah, I definitely. I think that like the more trans visibility we see, the less people will experience being trans as painful. And hopefully it'll be you know, the joyful experience that I know it can be. This Mm -hmm. doesn't have to suck, guys. It really doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I have a couple of questions. Yeah. Uh, And I'm going to use you as a little bit of like my trans Google right now, if that's okay. Um, (laughs) So non-conforming, non-binary, gender fluid, three different terms. I feel like I I feel like I hear them used almost interchangeably, but I don't know if that's right. Yeah, so uh, I'll start with gender nonconforming. That can apply to cis or trans people. That can apply to like any kind of person. So it's like my sister's a little gender nonconforming when she wears like men's clothes or whatever. Like gender nonconforming in can mean a lot of different things. Uh, It's it's just basically like you're going against the rules. You know, you have a specific gender identity, but you're breaking the rules. Okay. And then non-binary means you just don't identify specifically as a man or as a woman. And you could identify somewhere in between or as both or as neither. And a non-binary identity can then be gender fluid. And all gender fluid means is that your identity isn't always just one thing. So it's like, I am always, I always identify as a guy, as a non-binary trans guy. 
but there are some people who are gender fluid who on some days they feel more feminine and on some days they feel more masculine Mm -hmm. and like their identity, not just their expression, but like, you know, the core of their identity, it kind of moves. And it's also important to know that gender fluidity is something that can apply to anybody at any point in their life. It's like these things are not as rigid as we're making them out to be. Did mm-hmm. that answer your question? Did I ramble too much? No, absolutely. No. So it is completely possible to be a non-conforming, non-binary, gender-fluid person. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's all context. It's okay. all con- like when I say gender non-conforming trans people, I usually mean like a transmasculine guy who's wearing a dress or, okay. or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. And then my other question is, so you had talked about people who think that you have to have dysphoria in order to be trans. Yes. So what do these people think is going on with non-dysphoric folks? They believe that they are confused and doing it for attention. <laughs> yeah. Um, A lot of the time they either think like you just have some fucking trauma you need to sort through around your gender identity. Mostly they think they'll use the word oppression points like people are trying to collect oppression points, which I just think is like that's obviously disgusting. Yeah, they they just don't believe that non-dysphoric trans people are trans. They, they think that maybe they're gender non-conforming, but you're okay. not trans. And so you'll also see trans medicalists who believe this, who will identify as transsexuals and want to distance themselves from the word transgender because they don't like how transgender has become an umbrella term. Okay. So they'll be like, don't lump me in with these transgender people. I'm a transsexual and that is the only real trans identity that exists. Well, because okay. they're, they're, they, they may be trans, but they're looking, it sounds like they're looking to find a way to still be gender conforming. Right. Yeah. And that is absolutely fine, by the way. Like, there's nothing wrong with a trans person who wants to go stealth, which means to just pass as cis and no one knows that they're trans. Like, that is total, that is a totally fine way to be, of course. You just run into problems where people are like, well, if you like being trans and you don't mind people knowing that you're trans, you must not actually be trans because that shit is shameful and painful and I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. It's really sad. So it's, it goes back to the pathologizing. Yes, you know, it goes back to, to like see it something in terms that, of disease. Yeah, it feels like a lot of self-hatred, like putting yourself in the shoes of a trans medicalist as a trans person, it can be really painful because it just goes back to like, there must be something wrong with me. I don't know. It's It's, like a lot of shame. Right. It's interesting to me too. And again, if this is like a a bumbling comment, absolutely correct me. But it's interesting to me that a lot of these arguments also seem to mirror the arguments that were happening and are still happening in, in the gay community towards people who are pan or bi or, you know, people who, again, don't fall into the binary of I solely like oh yeah men or I solely like women regardless of it, it's, it's a, it's yeah, like all the biphobia that you hear. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a very like, I mean, I guess it's just a human thing, right. To be yeah, like, I, mean, I don't like anything you- <laughs> that like lives in the middle. I want well, when, it to be this or that. Well, it's when that's a satisfying, defined. yeah, it's, it's a satisfying way that 
we all, it, it's very human to try and do that. It's right. like, we want to understand. We want to understand the world in a way that we already kind of get it. But like- Again, confirmation need, bias. Yeah, there it is. It's like people just- that like myself included, like, uh, of course, like you tend to get stuck in your one way of seeing the world. And when something challenges that you have to take a step back. And we're just unfortunately seeing a lot of people who are hardening up and just like doubling down on, no, I'm trans because I, I have a sickness and like, this can't be joyful and this can't be a good thing and i need to to conform right. and hide this yeah well and like you said you know there's there's this gatekeeping exists all across identities all across experiences yeah um, and this like this tension between assimilation and not mm. like i this is making me think of i apologize if i'm misremembering the book that i read i believe it was uh the book and the band played on uh, mm-hmm. by Randy Schultz, which was came out, I want to say in the 80s. And it was basically, Randy Schultz was a gay journalist who had done this deep dive into the battles within the gay community, you know, specifically around the AIDS epidemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that he, uh, like I said, I, I'm remembering it being in this book. It might've been somewhere else. It's been a long time since I've read it. But I remember him talking about, you know, there was a real, like when when you go back to the, sort of the the start of the gay rights movement quote unquote in the 70s mm-hmm. kind of post stonewall there was a real fight within the gay community about gay marriage even back then because there was a school of thought amongst some in the gay community that like you know marriage means you're a sellout Mar- you know if you want to get married that means if you want yeah it was like if you want you're, what you're, straight people want you're trying you're to just doing it yeah you're just doing it for acceptance and you know it was a lot of fights around you know closing the bathhouses when the aids epidemic really took there off were fights Be- around them using protection yeah because this is like you're you're selling out your community by doing this and this is just an example i think going back to what you you said kane that you know all these fights come from a place of trauma but that kind of gatekeeping that that's a very direct example of how that kind of gatekeeping of are you gay enough mm. led to like a lot of deaths um yeah because because there was a real fight it wasn't just the reagan republicans who were pushing back against aids education and legislation and whatnot there were aspects of the gay community that were pushing back too because they wanted to remain separate they didn't want to adopt heteronormative values which is totally understandable but in right. but in the midst of a deadly pandemic i've heard other gay activists from that time period talk about you know it led to real soul searching within the gay community because you know looking back 10 years later it's like you know did all of these people have to die if we could you know even like amelia said there were fights against just the act of using protection you know yeah Yeah. it's it's you know it's a funny thing whenever people are like this isn't who we are like when you talk about you know kids ending up in cages and and things like this isn't what this isn't what this country is and a podcast called about I think it was called About Race, a great podcast that I don't think is on anymore. Um, but I I think the old episodes might be around. But I remember one of the people on that was like, this is exactly who we are. Like, this is exactly who humanity is because mm-hmm. like it or not, we're always like tribalism is inherent in us. Yeah. We See want to, yeah, we want to be able to say, I've found, I found my people and we are all the same and you who are different 
it's like, there isn't this thing of like, oh, you're just different. It's you are a threat. Yeah. There's always like that undertone or not even an undertone. There's that assertion of like, you're bad for this community. You're making it harder for us. They like to pass around this rhetoric that somehow like these trans trenders are like, taking up all our vital resources. And I'm like, there's not like a finite number of like vials of hormones and like people who are going to like give you surgery. Like there's this need to want to gatekeep then even who gets medical care that they need. It's like, oh, it's, it's so fucked. And it's, it breaks my heart to have it come from within the trans community because like as someone who identifies as non-binary. And like every time I would see a trans medicalist like shit on non-binary identities, mm. I would just, first of all, feel shitty. Like, oh my God, am I am I hurting the trans community? Mm. Am I actually trans? Like, what does that mean about like the, the <laughs> spirals that shit will send you down is worse than anything a trans right. ever said to me. Like, yeah. because when you finally figure out something about yourself where you're like, wow, I could have a community of people who feel the same way as I do, loving and supporting me. And then to then find out that maybe you can't really trust everybody within that community right. to validate you or to to feel like you belong there. It's it's scary. And I also should say it's not that hard for me to be accepted by these trans meds because I'm a little bit more towards the binary side. I'm in a smaller body. I'm mm-hmm. white. I, I check mm-hmm. a lot of their boxes for people who they're like, well, you're fine. You're probably trans enough. But for people who either don't want to transition, aren't like, don't pass, like whatever, like it's it's a different story for them. And they, they need all of the love and support in the world because it's yeah. hard to be gender non-conforming. It's hard. Yeah. yeah. It's an interesting thing because it's good for humans, for society to expand identity you know, up until fairly recently has been a very narrow, you know, one lane in each direction, right? Like you're either this Mm -hmm. or you're this. Right. And And in recent history, that road has started to broaden and there are more lanes going in different directions and, and all that stuff. And I think that that's great. And at the same time, it also complicates it because there are people out there who want to dictate the way other people identify. You know what I mean? And I just keep thinking back to, I think it was, I think it was Amy Poehler in her book, Yes, Please, where she's talking about, you know, watching other moms and seeing like, you know, like this mom has a nanny and she has like full-time help and, or this mom is a stay-at-home mom or this mom is whatever. And she was sort of speaking out about mom shaming essentially Mm -hmm. and how she was really doing, she was trying to take a viewpoint of like, good for you, not for me. And I like, it's an interesting thing to see how many people cannot grasp that concept of like you, Kane, can live your life doing whatever the hell you want. And some other person can live their life doing whatever the hell they want. And both are fine and valid. And, right. and it's always interesting to me when people want to come along and be like, uh, 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 I get to, I, I have self-appointed yeah. myself, the fucking police of gender identity and transness. Mm-hmm. And I get to say, yeah. you know, that you don't fit into this, that you aren't doing it right, that you aren't being enough of 
you know, X, Y, or Z. Exactly. And it's really just like, maybe you need to go out and get a hobby or like. <laughs> it's all, <laughs> it's all them projecting their own insecurities onto other people. Like you'll hear a lot of trans medicalists say, I get secondhand dysphoria looking at that person. So they might look at someone who like is trying to pass or is presenting in a way that would make them uncomfortable. And they feel the discomfort inside of themselves going like, I could never present that way because it would make me so uncomfortable. And then they project that hatred onto that other person when it has nothing to fucking do. Right. Right. But that's also like, you you don't have to. Right. Like nobody's going to come knock on your door and be like, Hey, you need to like, we've all collectively decided that this is the way we're all doing this. Another thing is like, yeah, they also feel like, oh, these trans trenders are co-opting a pain that isn't theirs. Like they don't know the struggle of feeling trapped in, in your body. They don't understand the struggle. Ooh, that's of, real turfy. Of like, mm-hmm, yeah. yep, it's the same shit. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just being like, I could not possibly imagine it an experience outside of my own. And all I would ask is that people just take a step back and understand that the spectrum of humanity is so vast and so beautiful. And we are moving beyond the need to try and shove people into these categories that don't serve them, that aren't them, that aren't true. I mean, to me, it's just like, and I try to apply this, you know, for as much as I can be like a grumpy aggro person in my day-to-day life it's Um, a charming grumpy aggro yeah as as uh amelia once said i'm cozily grumpy but yes (laughs) (laughs) but like my general rule of thumb in life is just don't be a dick there it is just just let people let people be who they are and don't be a dick about it yeah, just yeah. Like that. I've said it for years. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's also, it's an interesting thing too, right? Because in terms of like, you know, and here, like we start getting into things like cancel culture and stuff is that like right now, everybody, everybody's so on fire to, I won't say everybody because it's not the truth, but so many of us are so on fire to go and correct the wrongs of the world that we end up like, you know, eating our own. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. And that's well, really like, it's it like, you can't cannibalize yourself. I mean, it like, uh, it goes like I've been seeing, I'm sure you guys have seen some of this, like the debate around the Dr. Seuss books that got pulled. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, what's interesting is I'm seeing arguments made against pulling those specific books, basically like this is cancel culture run amok. And why are we trying to cancel Dr. Seuss and blah, 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 blah. And basically like, it's a slippery slope. Once you start canceling this, then you know, what's next. And it's like, I used to be more like in my younger years, I used to probably be more afraid of the slippery slope when it comes to censorship. And what I've learned, like, and this is kind of how I feel about the Dr. Seuss thing is it's like, it's a pendulum. It's, it's not a slope. It's a pendulum and it swings one way, then it swings the other. Um, it's going to you know, stop fucking somewhere. Like, yeah. Right. And it's like the, the, the Dr. Seuss thing to me is no different than when people freaked out about Dungeons and Dragons or freaked out about Harry Potter. Like there's always going to be someone who's saying this work of art is problematic in some way. So let's have a big fight about it. Sometimes the right, sometimes the wrong. Like when it comes to the Dr. Seuss books, like you look at those 
six specific books out of however many 50 some books he made like they're pretty fucking racist Mm. (laughs) and like and it wasn't they weren't banned it's the dr seuss estate specifically was like hey maybe we don't want to be putting these books out anymore right yeah i don't know why i don't know (laughs) it's not cancel culture i don't know why it's something we're fighting about you know well i think because sorry Good grief. I think also too, we like, we're living in a time when words are so important and being specific about our, our language is so important. And everybody just wants to be like, words have no meaning. So people want to be like, this is cancel culture. And it's like, unless Dr. Seuss is being, cause he's dead, right? Yeah. Yeah, unless he's being reanimated to then be lynched in the streets, he's not being canceled. Well, and it's, unless unless all of his books are being pulled from the shelves and we're well, holding mass burnings, he's not being canceled. Canceled is something very very specific, and it's okay for people like Harvey Weinstein, Bill Cosby, shitheads like that. To be canceled, Marilyn Manson. It is okay for people that are fucking monsters to lose their public pulpit if all they're going to do is spew abuse or hate or whatever. That's fine, guys. We don't need that. There's been a whole, you know, there's been millennia of people having that pulpit saying, hey, we're not going to like publish these six books. Green Eggs and Ham is fucking fine. Like, (laughs) oh, the places you'll go is fine. Not like anyone is like Weinsteining Dr. Seuss. It's like, it's, it's his family. It's his estate who are looking at his titles and saying like hey these six books they're from a different era the imagery is not something you want to associate with yeah and they are on their own because they own the rights to these titles are saying yeah we don't want to publish these anymore and the publisher agreed and the government isn't involved no one's banning shit no yeah. one's saying you can't read dr seuss books nobody's anymore. gonna come and knock on your door <laughs> and look through your fucking dr seuss library to yeah, say you have these like, books i just don't see why difference. we panic about it yeah, between like holding yourself accountable for for the ways you participated in and upheld racism and, you know, peop- a mob fucking attacking you on Twitter for, for a shitty tweet from 10 years ago. There's, there's right. you know what I mean? Like there's a big difference and there's a lot of nuance in that conversation. Exactly. Well, and that's I... the thing is all of these discussions and it goes back to the, the trans medical discussion. It goes back to everything we've been talking about. Like I said, it's just what happens when you get to the extreme of any ideology Mm -hmm. is you start cherry picking things that confirm your own confirmation bias you start flattening nuance you start flattening context because it's you know it's too hard to be like well on one hand this and on another hand this you know that doesn't fit your ideology to do that so so the on the other hand you just throw away right and that's why all these arguments end up kind of in the same place why the right-wing religious nutbags the the turf assholes and some of these trans medicalists are kind of ending up in the same place because it's the same kind of simplistic way of thinking right and it's all about like boiling it down to that bumper sticker right so that you can get more so that you can fucking get more likes on twitter and more views on youtube and all that bullshit like 
Yeah, some of them people, some of them just think they're being edgy by being trans medical. Right. Like, I'm like, okay, buddy. Uh, well, that's, that's like where the weird, all this stuff then starts like tipping into the alt-right and where you get like, I mean, he's not trans, he's a gay man, but you know, Milo Yiannopoulos. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> that fucking guy. Yeah. But you know, there, there's an element of him where it's just like, he's just, he's being an edgelord. Like there's no there he doesn't actually believe anything he's saying. He can find an audience by just being as outrageous and as big of an asshole as he can be. Yeah. Right. And you know, it says a lot about his character that he can sleep at night even just pretending that that's what he believes. Right. Like, right. Like right. oh man. Yeah. Oh, God, at at the end of the day, it's just we need to stop thinking of transgender people as abnormal and as right. and cisgender people as normal that's exactly. that that's what it all boils down to is that just these people are i feel for them and at the same time i'm like fuck you because they are they're buying into rhetoric that protects them and then just fucks over the rest of the trans community the majority yeah. honestly of the trans community right and, well, it's, and then the question is, does it even really protect them? Because like you said, all no. it does is just confirm transphobia. They think it does. It feels right. safe because they get to go to Thanksgiving with their grandma and explain their transition in a way that she can understand. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And I get that. You got to be safe. But at the same time, we need more than that. We, we we're ready to move on from trans medicalism. We are moving on from it, but yeah. Oof. Gosh, yeah. what a, what a like vast tangled. I told messy. you, I was like, <laughs> yeah. fascinating. Ooh, you opened a can of worms. <laughs> well, like I, I mean, I think we could keep talking about this for two hours. Two yeah. Hours. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Another, shit. yeah, this is, wow. this is what happens is this Just is how really we end up with these. <laughs> <laughs> this is how we end up with these like two hour long episodes is oh, we're like, oh, delightful. we have a couple of pages on a certain topic. And then it's like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh boy. This right. is cathartic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Good, good. Like I'm, 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 you know, I think any, I'll speak for myself. Anytime I wander into a topic that is not part of something that I identify with or have a lot of knowledge on, it's always a little scary for me yeah. because I don't, I don't want to say something stupid. I definitely don't want to say something offensive. So I appreciate your, your willingness and your openness to like answer our questions and to yeah, sort of be our, not uh, cancel us. Yeah, no, <laughs> my God. No, I really appreciate the curiosity. Like even in the brains episode, I don't think you said anything wrong. You just opened up a really cool right. conversation that we get to have about this. And I think yeah. like, I, I, I want to have more conversations with my cis friends about stuff like this because it's fucking fascinating and it affects right. all of us. Like the, the gender binary doesn't serve anybody. It's, right. So it this is right. something that, trans and cis people alike need to start doing a lot of soul searching about right well, yeah I'm, it was surprising to me when you said that like anytime you brought this up to any of the cis people in your circle that they were like Bleh. and i i like, was gonna ask that? like yeah if you've been able to have any kind of like discussions with them or if it's more been like yeah this is what this topic is and they're like oh it's and then they move on <laughs> I mean, sometimes I feel like I, I get a little too passionate and scatterbrained when I talk about things. So I don't know how much of that is me just like yelling and then they, they, they walk away <laughs> where I didn't make sense. 
but yeah, mostly it's just, uh, I, I met with surprise, like, wow, I didn't know this was even a thing. Like, yeah. there's yeah. Like, what is a trans medicalist? Like, well, I mean, I think know. that was our reaction, but our, you know, because obviously, like Amelia said, we kind of just stumbled into this topic. Yeah. Um, but my re- reaction when Amelia sent me the text that you had sent her was, oh my God, this is fascinating. I want to talk about this. Like mm-hmm. right away, we started like, oh, we, we should have Keen on as a guest. Because like you said, I beyond anything, beyond the political ramifications, I just found the, the entire topic fascinating because it really wasn't anything I knew anything about. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting because like while there's like a whole lot of trauma and sadness in it, it is a really fascinating, uh, like it's like a phenomenon that's happening in the trans community that I'm like, oh boy, we need some unity in here. This is <laughs> yeah. this is getting a little well, skin kind of spicy. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think you know, maybe we can end on this. Like I, I think one thing you brought up that I think is one of the most important things we can put out there is this idea of not just gender dysphoria, but gender euphoria. Yeah, that because is so it, important. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that is just something, you know, like Amelia and I have talked about in relation to other topics is just like, you know, why spend your life finding ways to make yourself miserable? Like seek joy where you can, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And to be able to look at trans identities through the lens of this is just how I am. And that's so beautiful that uh, there's this uniqueness in me that I I can celebrate like I don't have to be ashamed of it it doesn't have to be this big scary medical thing that I need to hide and fix about myself it it's joyful and it's playful and it's fun and I like that's the saddest part about this whole trans trender thing is that it discourages people from playing and exploring and finding that joy and like being able to listen to those feelings of, wow, it feels really good when I wear this or when someone calls me that. So just, yeah, play. It can be fun. It's, it's it, to any trans people who are listening to this, your identity is yours to define. And it is a beautiful thing any moment that you can find joy in that. Yeah, well, I, th- I think we should just leave it there because that was <laughs> yeah. perfect. <laughs> yeah, that was perfect. <laughs> I will. Thank you so much for having me on this. Yeah, yeah for thank you. On. Yeah, huge thanks to you, Kane. Of course, I'll you'll be, be playing here. us out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You're all along. Absolutely. <laughs> um, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, share, enjoy. Smash those like buttons. Stay weird. Stay curious. We'll see you next week. Bye. 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 <laughs> Friends will blow your mind with the finest nonsense we could find. Might be true, and that's the weirdest. <laughs>